Good morning. What's up, guys? Thank you. Appreciate that. Oh, jeez. All right. So if, you, uh, if you've been to the Foundry in the last, I'd say, like two weeks, you know that we're doing a, um, a series right now uh, called the Foundry Core Values. All that means is um, as like a staff and leadership team over the last year, um, and then ultimately headed by um, Pastor Justin, we've come up with um, a few things that we feel not only define us as a church, but also are things that like we absolutely should be about as a church. Um, if you missed the last two weeks, we covered the first two. And you can check out the website, the podcast. Um, I'm sure there's even more ways now to listen, probably Facebook, things like that. Catch up with those. Um, and today we're closing out this series, and we're talking about um, a verse from the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew is a guy who actually got to um, follow Jesus around when he was living and breathing in a human body on earth, which is pretty cool. Um, and then he wrote an account of uh, things Jesus said, Jesus did. We're going to hear from a guy named Luke who didn't really get to walk with Jesus, but also talked to a bunch of people who did do that. And he wrote his own book, too. You might know those. They're commonly called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, but this verse that this uh, message today is based off of is going to come from Matthew and Luke. So, if you brought a Bible, open it up to uh, chapter 28, verse 18 and 20. And if you don't, then we've conveniently located them on the screens for you. Um, here we go. So this says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely, I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. Uh, so that bolded section, go and make disciples of all nations, um, that's going to be that third core value. Uh, missional, missional living is uh, how we have it termed. You could probably send, like, spend a whole series talking about this verse alone with um, all that it means, um, but I want to focus today just on the idea of going. Going and making disciples. Um, so that's going to be the focus. Um, and I would like to pray now one more time. And uh, then we're going to dive in, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Me and Sean are going to talk about Jesus for a while. You guys can listen if you want to. Um, I love you, Sean. Um, God, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for preserving it for hundreds and hundreds of years, and that we can have it to learn from today. Um, just like we were singing earlier, Holy Spirit, uh, move um, like the wind, come have your way. Uh, God, I just pray that um, Holy Spirit would just move through this place, that um, your words would just be spoken through me, um, that everything that is um, spoken and taught this morning is completely of you, God. Um, Lord, that nothing would be um, confusing, that it would just come with a clarity and an understanding um, that would just be enabled by you, Holy Spirit. Soften hearts. Um, yeah, and just give me the words, Jesus, because we want to learn about you. We want to be changed by your words. Um, we want how we live to be evidence of what you've done in our lives. Thank you, God. Amen. 
So uh, I have something to share with you guys that you might not know. Um, I learned this, and it's, I think it's kind of cool. But then again, I think a lot of things are cool that my wife, Bray, calls me nerdy for thinking are cool. Um, but maybe you don't know this. So Book of Genesis, uh, we have some brothers who are documented there. Uh, their names are Cain and Abel. Maybe you know them. Um, Cain did a bad thing. He killed his brother, Abel. Um, he got mad and didn't respond well. Um, and then what happens is God, uh, who's actually like with Cain at this time, he's not just talking to him, but he's actually with him. Um, this is in Genesis chapter 4. He's talking to Cain, and he says, you know, hey, where's your brother Abel? Good question, because at the time, you know, there weren't a lot of people on earth, so the fact that it was just Cain was kind of weird. And he says, Cain, where's Abel? And Cain, uh, thinking quick on his feet, says, I don't know. And God's like, I think you do know. Um, and then Cain follows it up with the first question ever documented by man to God, am I my brother's keeper? Um, you could read that probably a, a few different ways, but when I read it, I kind of hear Cain saying, like, it's not my responsibility. Why are you, why are you asking me? Abel is his own man. Uh, you know, I'm my own. Why are you asking me? Why are you asking me where he is? And of course, God was asking him um, for more than one reason, but mostly because Cain had killed Abel. And, yeah, that was a bad thing. Don't do that. Um, but that's going to lead us to the topic of our sermon today, um, the title, if you will. And I've decided to call it, You're a Keeper. Maybe you've heard that term before. Um, he's a keeper, you're a keeper, she's a keeper. Um, Bray thought I was a keeper, I got a ring. Um, <laughs> she, she's smiling, that's good. Um, so... Uh, I want to look today at uh, the book of Luke, which again, one of the guys who didn't um, walk with Jesus, but he did go around and get like eyewitness testimonies, firsthand accounts, and he wrote a book um, actually for another guy, but we have it in the Bible so we can learn from it too, so um, that's good. And in Luke, it's the chapter 15. Again, if you have a Bible, you can swing over to there, but if you don't, again, on the screens. And we're going to look... Um, very much into detail of one story, but in that chapter, there's three stories, and we'll very lightly talk about the other two. I actually think I forgot to talk about the other two in the first service, so you guys get some bonus material. Um, second service privileges. Um, so in this third story, all we know is that uh, Jesus has an audience, and uh, the Bible tells us a little bit about that audience. Okay, and what, he, what it says is that there are tax collectors there. It says that there are sinners there, um, which could mean a variety of things, I'm sure, but that's all we know. And then the last two groups of people in the audience are called Pharisees, which are uh, people who knew a lot about uh, the law or what, would you, what you might refer to as like the Old Testament in your Bible. Um, and then the fourth was the teachers of the law the teachers of the law. So in this audience that Jesus is about to tell these three stories to are all these people. Um, so to think about it in a very simple way, you have pretty much the upper class of people at the time all the way to the lower class. 
Pharisees and teachers of the law would have been like the people who, when they're walking through town, people greet them. They probably get out of their way. Uh, you know, when they walk into a place, someone probably looks at them and maintains eye contact and says, good morning. Whereas the other people, these tax collectors, uh, these people that are referred to in the Bible as sinners, again, we don't know what their sin is, just that they were viewed as that. So we know enough about them that people in the audience would look at them and be like, sinner. They were the people that probably, you know, when they're walking through town, especially the tax collectors, they were very, very low on the totem pole. They were the folks who were uh, cheating you out of your money, basically. A lot of them uh, took abuse of their job, which was uh, collecting taxes, and would take extra for themselves. They were commonly believed to be um, just dishonest and not very good to their fellow Jews, because in this time, in this city where Jesus is, it's mostly Jewish people. Um, so if you were a Jew and a tax collector, you did not have a lot of friends because you were t collecting taxes for, for the, Rome, uh, the Romans and not a big fan of Romans. Um, they, well, not me, but they weren't. And uh, so not big, not like very popular people. So you kind of get the idea now. You have this audience, upper, lower, viewed as uh, respectable, viewed as like, I don't really like you very much, all in the same audience. Okay, now we're going to get started into this third of three stories that Jesus is going to tell them. You probably have heard it before, but if you haven't, uh, you're not going to leave without having heard it. And it's called The Prodigal Son. Okay, uh, let's do it. So Jesus said, there is a man who had two sons, uh, a younger son and an older son. So the younger son comes to his father and he says, give me my share of the estate or like, give me my inheritance. Uh, so the father divides his property between him and his brother. So he has an older son and a, and a younger son. Uh, so the younger son comes, asks for his inheritance, and the father says, okay. And they both get their share right then and there. That's important to remember. Uh, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, so he took that inheritance that he just got from his father, and he set off for a distant country, and when he was there, it says he squandered his wealth in wild living. Who knows what that means, but it doesn't sound good, right? Wild living. It could be a lot of different things. Use your imagination. Um, after he had spent everything, blew all the money, uh, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Uh, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, so basically became a servant. Uh, and that man sent him to his field to feed his pigs. So now he is basically a servant farmer for some man in another country, and he's feeding pigs. And it says that this younger son is so hungry that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. That's pretty hungry. Uh, Bran and I have a little dog named Mabel. She's very bad, but she makes up for it by being very cute. And uh, I've never been so hungry that I wanted to eat her food, but um, this guy was so hungry that he wanted to eat pig food. Um, Actually, Mabel just got some treats yesterday from my mother-in-law, and they actually, like, they looked pretty good. I didn't eat one, but they're, they're doing good things in the uh, dog food business. Um, but these were actually, like, homemade, so they were, like, Mabel's doing well for herself. Um, so when the younger brother came to his senses, it says, he thought, 
How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare even? And here I am starving to death. He might have been a little dramatic. I'll set out and go back to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Uh, So he's like, that sounds like a good plan. And he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He said this even after he hugged him. Uh, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, get sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost and he's found, and they began to celebrate, have a huge, big, gigantic, enormous party. Meanwhile, if you've forgotten, there was an older brother, and he was out in the fields because he never left. Uh, He's been there. And when he was coming home at the end of the day, he hears music and dancing. Um, So he calls over to one of his servants, and he's like, what's going on? There wasn't supposed to be a party today. Um, I don't understand. And he says, oh, your brother's come. And your father killed the fattened calf, and he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother um, did not become what you would call happy. He was rather cross. And he refused to even go into the party. He was so mad. So his father walks out of the party, and he starts pleading with this older brother now, the older son. Uh, And he says to his dad, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So that's that one. And the other two stories, we won't go into detail, like I said, uh, but the gist is that there's a, in the first story, there's a shepherd, has a hundred sheep. Uh, loses one, leaves the 99 to go get that sheep, comes back home with the sheep, calls up his friends, and it's like, let's party, my sheep's back. And that's basically the first story. So you have something lost, someone goes and gets it, comes back, party. Second story, there's a woman with 10 coins. Uh, That's one more coin than nine coins. And she loses one and basically destroys her house. She's like moving furniture and sweeping the floors. And eventually she finds that one coin that she lost. And you probably guess what she does. Calls up all her friends and says, rejoice with me. My coin was lost, but I found it. And same thing. Um, So you kind of see a pattern here between these stories. Lost, found, lost, found, party, party, party. Um, that was a weird thing to say at church. Party, party, party. So let's get back into the prodigal son. And um, as we like look at this story from the perspective of when it was happening at that time and the things um, that were particular 
to the culture that time, it's going to be like, wow, I never knew that. And hopefully it's going to make this story more real to you. Because the goal is that um, through reading this story and learning more about Jesus from um, this story that he's telling people, um, that it's going to challenge us uh, in a way that I'll disclose to you at the end. But So we're going to get started by talking about this inheritance or this estate that we see the younger brother um, ask his father for. So he goes to his father and he says, uh, hey dad, uh, I want my share of the estate. And if you don't know this, this is something that you don't want to do because it is a huge disrespect to your parent. Um, Because commonly you get your inheritance when um, the person who has that property dies Uh, So he's basically saying to his dad, hey, you're not dead, but it would be cool if you were because I want my inheritance right now. I can't wait. Give it to me. And mind you, there's an audience listening to this story. So they're probably thinking like, this kid's about to get told no because that was a huge disrespect. And the older brother is about to get all the inheritance. Let's see what happens. And instead, the father says, okay, and he gives him his inheritance, his share, and he gives his older brother his inheritance and his share at that same time as well. So that's the first thing where they're probably like, wow, this kid is a jerk, and his dad gave it to him anyway. That's bad parenting. He might not have thought that, but that's what I would have thought. (laughs) And then what's the young son do? It says, not long after that, probably the same week, He's gone. So you can just imagine, he probably takes the land, the animals, whatever uh, whatever estate consisted of, was like, I'm going to sell this, get all the money out of it that I can, and I'm gone. And it, that's what he does. It says he divided the property. Not long after that, the son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country. There's probably two reasons that he set off for a distant country. One because he wants to go do some wild living that, you know, we're going to hear about. But then two, if you just did this in your hometown, people are going to be like, did you hear what, we'll call him Randy, did you hear what Randy's son did? He asked for his inheritance, and Randy gave it to him, and then he sold everything, and he left. Because if his son would have stayed around, you know he would have been getting some, like, pretty crappy looks from people around town, like, there's the kid that asked for his inheritance early. So he's like, I'm just going to get my money and peace out of here. And then on top of that, if he's going to a distant country, that would mean that it's a country that's not very populated by Jewish people, if any at all. So they would, he would be going to live with Gentiles, who this audience, on top of everything else, would view as like, man, why would you go and do that? So it's not looking like this kid's making a lot of good decisions Um, and we already know he's going to continue to not make good decisions because he blows all the money. It says he squanders all of his money, and um, that doesn't lead to good situations for him because he ends up having to hire himself out as a servant, and he ends up feeding pigs, and he gets so hungry that he wants the pig food, and they still won't even give him the pig food at that time. Like He's so hungry, he claims that he's starving, pretty hungry, and they still won't give him any food. So the Bible tells us, uh, depending on the translation you're looking at, it says he came to his senses uh, or, or like comes up with a plan, basically. Uh, and it's, I feel it's important to note there that this isn't like a change in heart for the younger brother. This is a, 
I'm really hungry and I need to get out of this situation. This isn't like a, what did I do? I'm so sorry. This is a, I'm hungry and I just remembered how much better my dad's servants have it. So I'm just going to go plead my case and just go back to him and hope that he'll take me back, even as a lowly servant. Not like a son, you know, not with the same respect and like prestige I had as the estate owner's son, but just as even just a servant. Because they had so much food that they even had some to spare, it said. So the son makes his way back from the distant country. This is post-wild living, if you're following along. Um, And it says that when he's a long distance out, the father sees him. Okay, so we've kind of covered the younger brother, the younger son at this time. We're kind of done with him now. We see the decisions he made. We see the choices that have led to uh, his current situation and and all that jazz. Now we're going to get to see a lot about how the father's heart is and the decisions he makes. Okay, so if you're in the audience, right, pretend you're in there for a second, and you're listening to this story, and you're like, okay, ask for inheritance, Jerk move, sold everything and left super quick. That was really mean. Blew all the money. It was kind of dumb. And now he's coming back. And the audience is probably like, oh man, he's coming back broke to his dad. Like he's about to get roasted. Like he is in for trouble. Like he's going back to a town where everyone knew this happened. Like, why is he doing that? That he is dumb. Like he's gonna go get humiliated. People are gonna look down on him. Why would he do that? Yada yada yada. But what happens, well, here's what happens. The father sees the son coming from a distance, and he runs towards him. And the audience is probably like, oh, yeah, he's, gonna, he's running. Like, he's going to drop kick his son. Like, he's that mad. He's running at him. Like, there he is. I'm going. But instead, he hugs him and grabs jewelry, a robe, sandals, kills the fattened calf, has this huge banquet, all the while the young brother, uh, the young son, he's so confused, he's just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's all he can say. And the dad's like, more blessing, more blessing, like more goodness, forgiveness, more forgiveness. And he has this huge party. Now, why would Luke tell us a fattened calf? Why would Jesus say the term fattened calf? Because at that time, the fattened calf was like the prize possession to have on the farm for having a banquet. The brother at the end, we'll see him say, you never even gave me a goat. That's because a, a, a goat would be lesser than the fattened calf. I've never had goat, but I can't imagine it's better than fattened calf. So he has this fattened calf party, and that means that this party is huge. Like, it is big. It, this is, it's such a big party that uh, even if you probably, like, only knew Randy on like a first name basis from seeing him at the grocery store, you got invited. Like everyone's at the party. This wasn't just like close friends and neighbors. This was like everybody. Everybody comes. This party is huge. In fact, we know it's so big because the the older brother is on his way in from the fields and he already hears music and dancing, which I don't know if I've ever heard dancing from like a far distance away, but they must have been getting down if he heard dancing. So the older son, we're kind of we're going to pause on the father there for a second. We know he had this crazy forgiveness for his son, and the audience is probably sitting there like dumbfounded, like, what? what? 
I don't get it. So the older brother now coming in gets wind from the servant of what's going on. And finally, the audience is going to get the, uh, the reaction that they've been hoping for because the brother is ticked off. They're like, finally, some justice, like the normal response. Why didn't the father respond like that? And the brother uh, is like, I'm so mad. I'm not even going into that party. Like, I'm not going inside there. So the dad comes out of the party. Now, that's a big deal because this party was a huge ordeal. Like, this is probably, like, top three best days of his dad's life. Like, he thought his son was dead, and now he's back. He is stoked. He's in there dancing, and, uh, you know, there's music blaring. And yet, he's like, where's my other son? So he goes out of the party... And it says he begins pleading with the older brother. And listen, this is how mad the older brother is. I keep getting poked by this thing. This is how mad the older brother is. He doesn't say, like, Dad, I'm really mad. He says, look. He doesn't even call him Dad. He says, look. He doesn't use some term of respect, like, Father, Dad, Papa, whatever. I don't know why you'd call him Papa. But he says, look. And then when it comes to addressing what his brother's doing, he says, this son of yours. Not, my brother comes back. No, he says, this son of yours. This son of yours. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed you, yet you gave me You never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? You can probably imagine the dad's just like standing there like nodding, like, like, all right, let it out. And look at what he says to his, his son. My son, you're, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive again. He's lost, and he's found now. So before we get into that father's response there, it's important to take note of just what the brother revealed about himself, this older brother, Because this whole time, the audience was thinking, like, man, that older brother, like, what a guy. He got his inheritance, and he stayed. He could have left. He got the inheritance, but he stayed. Wow. Good man. What a guy. Good guy. But the brother kind of just showed his hand a little bit. Because he comes home, super disrespectful to his father, And he is concerned with how his future inheritance is being handled. He he has no regard for how happy his dad is. He has no regard for his brother coming back. He says, all these years, I've done this and this and this. Look at me. Look how good I was. And this son of yours comes back after he blows all your money and you give him the best, the best animal we have? You've never even given me a goat. He cares about his inheritance. 
He knows what's supposed to come to him. His brother already got his. His dad even says, all I have is yours. That's, that's literal, because he gave the older brother what was his. Literally, all the, all the father has left is the older brother's. But the older brother is mad with how these, how these uh, decisions are being made. He doesn't care about his brother. He's not concerned with his father's happiness. Me, look how good I've been. And this is what you do? Bad decision. How could he be so stupid to do that? And the father responds again in love, just as he did with the, the younger brother. And he says, all that I have is yours. You're all, you always be with me. And we see the conversation just end after he says his brother was lost and found, is now found. And, and the audience, I'm sure, like, having no idea what's going to happen next because they've already gotten unexpected response after unexpected response. They're probably like, all right, now what's going to happen? And Jesus is like, that's it. What do you mean that's it? He forgave the younger brother. Or he like, he's talking to the older brother. Is the older brother going to come inside? Or like, is he leaving now? That's it. Story's over. What do you mean that the story's over? We don't have, we don't, there's, not, there's no ending. What do you mean? That's it. That's the story. He forgave both of his sons. Yeah, but what about the older son? What about the son who had been faithful? What about all the good that he had been doing? The father didn't like say, oh yeah, you're right. Like, you are the best son. No, he forgave him. That's the end of the story. What, what do you mean that's the end of the story? And, it, you know, they go to his, Jesus' disciples. Hey, what's the end of the story? I don't, I don't know. That's the story. You mean like there's more story tomorrow? Like cliffhanger, Jesus? Nope, that's it. That's the story. That's the end. So what's left is this audience who represents basically the community. The respected, the disrespected, the wealthy, the poor, the people who would be viewed as the most obedient, like the Pharisee or the teacher of the law, and the people who would be viewed as the most disobedient, like the sinner. And Jesus tells them this story, and the point is becoming, hopefully, more and more clear to him. That it, the point is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a sinner or a Pharisee. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher of the law or a tax collector. Both get forgiven. Neither could earn the gift. The gift is free. The younger brother definitely didn't earn it. He just came back. That's all he did. It doesn't say that the younger brother repented. All it says is he came to his senses. He just basically came up with a plan. The older brother... He didn't earn it. He just stayed. And in the same audience, you have those same two classes of situations happening. And Jesus is trying to, is trying to teach them that this is how it's going to be. It's not about how obedient or faithful you've been in this religion. It's about accepting the Father. It's not about how bad you've been. You can't it doesn't matter how far you've gone, how distant the country was, how, how wildly you lived. It doesn't matter how faithfully you've stayed. It doesn't matter uh, how obedient uh, you, you were. It's about accepting Jesus. 
and the acceptance is for both of them if they accept him. And this audience is probably looking at each other, and the Pharisees and the tax collectors are probably pretty mad because they're saying that they're on the same stage as these sinners and tax collectors, and hopefully the tax collectors and the sinners are getting some kind of hope about, while well, this new teaching that, that this, this rabbi is telling us, well, you're saying that there's a chance for me? You're saying that there's forgiveness for me? And the Pharisee might be thinking, you're saying that all I know about the law and how, how uh, good I've been at keeping the law doesn't mean that uh, doesn't mean that I'm saved because of how good I've been, because of how, how well I've kept Moses' law. That doesn't mean that I'm better. No. It's all, about, it's all about faith. It all comes down to the free gift. In fact, Jesus even calls himself the sacrifice of atonement, the gift, what he's going to do. So... I say all this, and uh, we talk about the prodigal son today because uh, this core value is about going and and making disciples. But this idea of going, and uh, you know, I was trying to think about how to prepare a message that would be good about uh, you know, like inspiring us and encouraging us to to do this right, like missional living. You know, uh, inviting others in on this like this journey as we're living with Christ. Um, but I felt, <laughs> I felt that might get me, but I felt that the best way for change to happen in, in our lives is for it to become like, for it to become real to us, right? Because if it's not, if it's not real, then you're just going to walk out and you're just going to forget it. And like, it's, it's just going to end up being a cool story in, in Luke chapter 15, but this story was told with a, a purpose. It, it's told with a purpose. And it's that both brothers, both brothers need salvation. And when we look, when we started this, this talk off this morning with uh, Genesis chapter 4 and, and Cain saying, am I my brother's keeper? I think we see the response to that question in the life of Jesus. And in the life of Jesus, we're told this story. It's about two brothers, you know, just like Cain and Abel were two brothers. And you see both of them living two different lives, but both of them are still coming up short. Clearly, the younger brother you can look at and say, yeah, I see all the ways that he messed up. But the older brother, when the situation arose, we saw, we saw more of his heart, didn't we? We saw how he responded in that anger and not love for, for his father, but concern for how good he'd been. But it's not, it's not about good works. It's not about that. It's the free gift of salvation that's to come. But how can anyone ever accept Jesus if they aren't first told about Jesus, right? When I, when I was reading this, and that older brother is giving that account of, you know, how he, you know, he did this, he did this, he did this, it reminded me of, um, of the verse in Matthew, it's chapter 7, verse 22 and 23, I think there might be up there, but it says, 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then he'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawless, lawlessness. Throughout Jesus' life, we see him support the ideas that he teaches in different ways, in different stories, in different conversations he has. And that older brother, like, though he, was, he stayed and was, and was there the whole time, he still needed to know the Father. Just like the younger brother needed to come home and know the Father. It, it's a gift. But it starts with telling someone about it. It starts with a conversation. It starts with looking at your own life and saying, am I living in such a way that when people see me, they see me loving like Jesus does? Jesus even says, people will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. So when people look at you, they should be able to say, that guy's different. That girl's different. Why, Why did they respond that way? Why did they react that way? Why did they do that? That doesn't make any sense. If it was me, it would have been an eye for an eye. If it was me, I never would have talked to them again. If it was me, I would have just cut them out of my life. But they, they forgave them. They always go and talk to that. Uh, they always go and talk to them, that person. But, oh, man, I don't want to go talk to that person over there. They're weird. They act strange. No. But they do it anyway. Something's different in the way that you live because of what Jesus is doing in your life. That's the whole point. And that's, that's the goal with the Great Commission, that those verses in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. He doesn't say, you know, go and meet someone for coffee. Go and hang out with someone late at night and go to a movie. And it, there's a, tons of different ways that you can show someone Jesus, but it's all done through love. That's why Jesus taught love so much and called himself love. Um, if the worship team wants to come back up, that'd be awesome. Um, so I have two more quick things. The first, you know, we don't know a ton about, uh, about heaven and uh, what it's going to be there, like how awesome it's going to be and all that stuff. I mean, it's going to be awesome. But we do know that God asks Cain in Genesis, he says, you know, where's your brother? And of course, you know, of course he asks him because Cain is responsible in a way. But is there also the chance that he's asking Cain, where's your brother? Because Cain should be his brother's keeper in a way. Is is he asking him a question because it's not so ridiculous to think that we should have our phone silence in church? No. Is it, <laughs> is it not? Just kidding. Just kidding. Is it not so ridiculous to think that God would ask you to have concern for your brother or your sister? I don't think it's that crazy to think that God would ask you, hey, where is this person? Where is that person? I, of course, salvation you know, comes from a person accepting but they can't accept it if they never hear about it, right? And it's unfair for us to say, oh, well, if I just, you know, if I invited them or, you know, if I told them that, they would just blow me off anyway. They would just make some excuse up or 
They might think I'm weird. It's unfair to say that because we're not outside of time. We don't know how someone's going to respond. And we're literally asked to go and make disciples. We're asked to do that. That's, that's on us now. So we have to step out in faith and courage and try to do that and believe that, you know, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. You know, he said, I'm sending to you a helper, someone who will bring to remembrance to you all things that I've said. Jesus promised that. So if you believe in God and you believe that Jesus is Lord and that he died for you, then you, you have the Holy Spirit with you. So you don't have to be intimidated by the what ifs and the what may happen and, and the response that you quote unquote might get because you don't know what will happen. You don't know the response that will happen. I'm sure Moses, when he went to Pharaoh for like the bajillionth time, was like, this is just going to fail again because the last few times I've asked him, he's just sent me away. But eventually he did get the response that he was hoping for. You don't know the response. It's unfair to say that you do. To do so is to say that you know more than God because he's the only one that's outside of time. All you need to do is try. They have to accept yeah, I'm not saying that we're our brother's keeper and that we're responsible for their salvation. You're responsible for your own salvation and accepting Jesus as Lord. But we do have an undeniable responsibility to tell people about Jesus. I have a cool story to share with you all, and then I do believe I'm actually done. So um, if you didn't know this, um, Bray and I um, lead the youth group here at the church. We also have some really awesome um, youth leaders Shout out to Paul and Alec and Jeb and Nate and Pat. Pat does everything. She's awesome. Um, so, quick story. Two weeks ago, uh, Nate and Alec, I don't know if either one of you guys are here. No, that's okay. I can tell it. Okay. So, they shared their story about how Nate invited Alec to Chi Alpha. I was really expecting the Chi Alpha people to cheer right there. <laughs> yeah. So he invited Alec to Chi Alpha. Not once, not twice, not three times, but from Nate's account, an endless amount of text messages and phone calls and just a, a persistent, hey, we're doing this. Do you want to come? Hey, we're going to be here tonight. Do you want to come? Hey, we're meeting at my house at this time. Do you want to come? Do you want to come? Do you want to come? And Alec tried his best to say no. No, 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 no. I'm going to block your number. But eventually, eventually he started coming around. And it not only led to Alec <laughs> proclaiming his faith in Jesus, which is awesome. But now Alec leads a small group too. So he's doing what Nate did for him. And so we told the, the boys that in small group, and it was cool and awesome. Uh, and then last week, they invited four new uh, students, which is cool. Sorry, I'm a little emotional. <laughs> but, you know, the point is, is that I don't know what's going to happen with, like, the four new students that come. I, they might never come back. I don't know. Uh, or they might come every week until they graduate high school, because that's when we make you leave youth group. It might, it might happen. I don't know. But I do know that if they didn't invite them, then they wouldn't come back for sure. And even if they don't come back, they already invited someone who came once. So everyone who saw them do that 
is now encouraged to do it. And they did it and saw someone come. So now they're encouraged to continue doing it. It's, it's, it's amazing that we have even the opportunity to have the responsibility to tell people about Jesus. It's the best thing that you could ever tell someone. But we try to, we try to get lied to that we're going to get some response that's going to hurt our feelings or not be beneficial. It's a, the Bible calls the enemy a liar, okay? Like, it's just that. Of course, you're going to try to be fed lies that when you tell someone about God, it's not going to go anywhere. But that's not the case. And we see it time and time again in the Bible and today. See it in, the, in youth group. See it in church. See it in your connect groups. But it starts with the go. It starts with the go. There's a lot of times when we want to respond like that older brother, and we just want to kick that younger brother out, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and be like, man, they are too far gone. See ya. That's not, that's not it. And there's times when we feel like that younger brother and we're like, man, I'm so screwed up. I, how many, <laughs> there's a, a coworker of mine who always says, if I walked into church, the place would probably catch on fire. That's what people think who are far away from God sometimes. That is true. And it's up to us to every time we hear something like that, put it out. That's not true. That's not true. Man, I can't go to church. You know, you know how messed up I am? Nope, but it doesn't matter. You might be the only Bible that some people see in a day, here in a week, interact with in a year. I don't know. But I do know every time that you don't, they don't hear it. That's what we do know. We don't know what might come of it if you do, but you know what's not going to happen if you don't. That's what we know. And if a youth group student can do it, we can do it, right? Just kidding. Kids are awesome. They're just as good as we are. <laughs> but, yeah. but man, that's so cool. Um, would you guys pray with me? And then we're going to get back into worship um, and just give God praise and, like, thanks for who he is. Jesus, thank you for so many things. Thank you for leaving heaven to be with us. Thank you for being tempted in every way so that you can empathize with us. You literally know what we're going through. Thank you for dying for us, Jesus. Thank you for defeating death for us. Thank you for forgiving us time and time again. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, for not abandoning us, but giving us he that you call the helper. Lord, help us to remember that, that we have the helper with us. You're with us. 
Just like the father says to the, to the older son, surely I'm with you always. That's the same thing that you said when you were about to descend and, told, and you told your disciples to go and, to go and make disciples. You said, and surely I'm with you even to the end of the age. Two stories, same response. You're with us. God, don't just let us be people who can sing about the Holy Spirit moving, but let us be a church that just not only believes it, but then wants to see it happen in their life too. Holy Spirit, you, you want to move in our lives. You want to. Help us to be obedient to let it happen, Jesus. Help us to have the courage and the faith to step out and have the conversation that might seem kind of scary, that might seem kind of nervous. Let us have the conversation that we can think up ending a, bif- a billion different ways, but only you know the way that it will end. That's what we're responsible for. God, let us grow in our love for you. Let us grow in our faith for you, Jesus. We love you. And we give you all the praise. And, and we go into this time now, God, just to give you honor. Just to give you honor. for listening to the Foundry Podcast. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information on service times and upcoming events, visit our website at foundrywv.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Foundry WV.